Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just to give you a heads up, one of us is bound to say something not suitable for little ears. It is, after all, the one hour a day I spend away from my children. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, July 22nd, the Are These Books Age Appropriate edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's four. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Dan Coyce. I'm a writer at Slate and the author of the book, How to Be a Family. I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 16, and a Harper, who's 13, and we live in Arlington, Virginia. And unfortunately, Jamila is out today. But on this week's show, we have a question from a parent whose eight-year-old daughter is a total bookworm, but her mom worries if she's reading things that aren't age-appropriate. Then we have some advice for a parent who is unsure if she should start potty training her two-year-old right before vacation. On Slate Plus, you get an extra special bonus segment about the dozen or so mothers set to compete in this year's Tokyo Olympics. We love those super moms. Slash, we fear these super moms. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we're super impressed by them and all the, their extra hard work. Yeah. But we're going to kick off this show with some triumphs and fails. So Dan, you first. Uh, my parenting triumph is that I'm in a hotel uh, with Alia in Knoxville, Tennessee, and my kids are at camp. Woohoo! <laughs> it's, it's, that's delightful, but I actually have a real triumph. My real triumph is that for the fourth consecutive summer, I lost to Lyra in our annual beach reading contest. So each summer when we go to the beach with Alia's family, we each bring a pile of books And then we make a big piece of poster board where we draw pictures of each other and keep track of how many pages we read, like one of those like charity thermometers, (laughs) how far have you gone over the course of the week. And once again, she beat me this year. The score was 4,125 pages to 3,547 pages. So she crushed me by a lot. This year, I didn't even have the excuse of well, you're just reading children's books the way I usually do because she didn't read any children's books. She read grown-up books. She read Ruby Fruit Jungle, The Secret History, Piranesi. She read Kurt Vonnegut. And then she also read Hell World by Luke O'Neill, his collection of essays about how everything sucks. She just straight up beat me this year. And I view this as a triumph, even though generally I hate losing to my children at stuff. I view this as a triumph because... At this point, at 16, much of the rest of the year, we are begging Lyra to read more books. You know, once upon a time, she was a you know, crazy bookworm. All she did was read little kid books. But then she got older and she discovered the internet and video games and Discord friends. And now it can be a real struggle sometimes to get her to read books. But every year, this one week at the beach, I think tradition and her competitiveness drives her to just read like crazy and every year i'm filled with joy to see it and so may i keep on losing at this competition forever that is a great triumph but is there a prize or is it just bragging rights 
just bragging rights, and believe me, she takes full advantage of those bragging rights. I don't think a prize would change anything. What she wants is to have evidence that she has humiliated her father, and that's what she gets. Does she just spend more time reading than you, or is she like a faster reader? Is there like is there there any hope for you? No, probably not. <laughs> She's faster than me, for sure. I think she also spends a little more time than me. Uh, this year, I sort of had some fake umbrage about it in the same way that I often have fake umbrage about Harper beating me on our Fitbits with steps. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's not cool, Harper, because your legs are shorter. So we walk yeah. the same distance and you get more steps. I was like, Lyra, it's not cool. We read the same amount of time, but your eyes are closer together. So you got more pages. Uh, but no, she's just faster than me. And it's not like she doesn't retain it. Like for years, I thought just like my teachers thought when I was a kid, because I'm also a very fast reader, my teachers would be like, well, you didn't really read that. You read it too fast. You don't remember it. But so for years, I thought that about Lyra because she read like inhumanly fast. And then I would quiz her about a book and she'd be, she would tell me everything that happened in it from beginning to end. And I'd be like, okay, I guess you did. You got it. So no, there's no hope. Thank God. Yeah, no hope. But I look forward to a time where I can, you know, compete with the kids on, <laughs> on pages read. We're not quite there, but soon. And then lose. I think you're right. It's pretty glorious. It's a success to have the failure. Well, yeah. I am also taking a triumph this week. It's really my parents' triumph, but I'm going to take it. So my parents have been here. Um, it's a parenting triumph. A parenting triumph, yes. My parents have been here a little over a week, but sometimes when they come to visit, like when we were in Florida, we saw them a lot and we were in their space. And that's not always great because, you know, they have like their routines and then I bring these kids and our house there was a little bit smaller. The house here is a little bit larger, so they have space. But we were trying to to think of like how to manage the visit so that like everyone had a good experience and we don't feel as like stressed out by the presence because they love being with the kids but like they had two girls and there are five years between me and my sister and I have like three boys in that same like gap so right. it's just kind of with crazy like two minutes between them. yes yes it feels like two minutes between them and they're like a roving gang in the house you know and so my dad um who's one of of five said that his grandparents used to take one kid on the weekend they lived in the same neighborhood so one kid would get like the opportunity to go be with grandma and grandpa so my dad asked if they could do that and in the weeks leading up to their visit they asked each of the kids to like you know, as much as they could do some research or come up with an idea of like a day date. And my parents would take them and it would be what the kids wanted. And like Jeff and I would not be involved. And this went like incredibly well. Like not only did my kids pick great things, but then like my parents fully committed and and did the activities with them. So Teddy um, chose there's a Penny Arcade in Manitou Springs, which is like a little mountain town that's, you know, half an hour from here. And they went and got coins and just let him do whatever he wanted to do at this Penny <laughs> Arcade. Like we have taken him um, when we first got here, but it was kind of like, okay, let, you know, that's not good value or like that's kind of dumb because they have all the like old arcade games too, where you like put it in and then, you know, little monkey dances or you can put it in and push buttons and a marionette you know, <laughs> dances, but they just let, they went, they played air hockey with him. They let him play all those silly games and he had just the best time. They took him out to lunch. Of course, they got him ice cream. Um, Henry wanted to go play putt-putt 
And there's this course that we drive by off the highway that he wanted to go to. And they went and both of them played him played. You know, he got to choose the course. He got to choose where they went to eat afterwards, which he wanted to go to Red Robin, (laughs) the like hamburger place. Um, And just like had a great time. Oliver chose to go paint your own pottery and he chose what everyone was going to paint. So my mom painted a plate for Henry and there was a little figurine of a teddy bear with a T that my dad painted for Teddy and Oliver chose, you know, a giant ceramic cat with a baby cat to paint. But they, it was just so, it was so nice and everybody had a good time. And so it felt like such a win. Like there weren't these fights that sometimes happen when my parents are here. Like, well, this isn't fair. Like who wants to go run this errand? Because it was all like mapped out and the kids had fun planning it. But it's definitely something I want to do again in the future. That's such a good idea. I mean, A, first of all, I want to say Oliver, very thoughtful, making sure that (laughs) everyone gets some paint your own pottery. I have really loved it when grandparents sort of t- have taken initiative and like created some kind of little magical experience with grandkids. Alia's mom is very, very good at that. I still remember when Lyra was four or maybe just turned five, she had Kiki reading camp where she just brought Lyra down for a week. And Kiki, who's a former elementary school reading specialist, just like did reading exercises with her for a week. And it was like close grandma, grandkid time with a very specific point that she liked doing. And they really bonded at that time. And like those moments when, you know, it's great when we all do things together, but when they take it upon themselves to forge one-on-one moments with kids like that is really magical and fantastic. So great job you facilitating that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, way to kick them all out the door. I'm happy to take it as a triumph, though, because I I just took a experience that in the past has been really stressful and made it feel just like, like we won this one. You know, we like won the time right. with my parents. We won the time with my kids. It was great. It was so great. So I highly recommend. Good work. <laughs> Well, before we move on, let's take care of some business. First, please subscribe to the show. It helps us out and the show automatically shows up in your feed. So it's good for you and for us. And if you want even more of our show, you should become a Slate Plus member. You'll get a whole bonus segment every single week. Here's a sneak peek of what you could hear today. There's another uh, little tidbit in this Washington Post story that I wanted to point out, which is not about my current outrage about how women athletes are treated or my current joy at how wonderful it is that there are moms who are competing in the Olympic Games, but about the 1900 Paris Olympics in which the very first mother competed in golf. Her name was Mary Abbott. She competed in women's golf. She was the mother of Margaret Abbott who also competed in women's golf and in fact won beating her mother who finished seventh. How embarrassing to lose (laughs) to your daughter at the Olympics. I bet Mary never let Margaret live this down. I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely, I would shame my kid forever if they had the gall to show up at the Olympics (laughs) and beat me in front of like the King of France or whatever. Like how rude I gave you life. How would you, how could you do that to me? Not only will you get fun extra segments like that, but you'll even get bonus episodes for shows like Culture Gab Fest and Big Mood, Little Mood. Plus, you get unlimited reading on the Slate website without ever hitting a paywall again. 
So if you want to support us and support Slate, sign up for Slate Plus. It's only $1 for the first month. Just go to slate.com slash plus. Slate's parenting newsletter is the best place to be notified about all of our parenting content, including mom and dad are fighting, care and feeding, and much more. It's a personal email from Dan every week. You can sign up for that at slate.com slash parenting email. But first, let's take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. All right. On to our first listener question. It's being read, as always, by the marvelous Shasha Leonard. Hi, Mom and Dad. I have a voracious eight-year-old reader. She's pretty advanced for her reading level and probably very average for her maturity and sophistication level. Oh, and she'll only read graphic novels. I've taken hundreds, I mean many, many hundreds of graphic novels out of the library for her. When they finally reopened the library in person, I was famous there. Tonight, I found her reading some compilation comics called something like Raven the Pirate Princess, Two Boys, Five Girls, and Three Love Stories. What the heck is this thing? I don't know. I'm the one who found it and took it out of the library for her, but looking at this book, I realize I have no idea what it's about, what it covers, if it's too mature, and if there's anything in here I'd find objectionable, etc. So my question is, does it matter? I still read out loud to her sometimes, and we have a pretty communicative relationship, but I think I always fantasized about reading the books my kids read, or at least knowing the general plot. I just can't keep up with her. Is this fine? Can I just relax about this and congratulate myself for having a bookworm? Or do I need to engage more and check in on what some of these books are? Out of the loop and graphic novel exhausted. So as longtime listeners may know, I have a very strong opinion on this topic. That opinion is that there is no such thing as an age-inappropriate book. They don't exist. For example, I just handed my kid Ruby Fruit Jungle at the beach, and it was fine. You should let your kids read whatever books they want. The enormous benefit the kids get from reading above their age level, from being ambitious about what they read, so dwarfs the tiny possible amount of damage that they might suffer from, like, reading the sex scenes in Clan of the Cave Bear. And anyways, they won't even understand the sex scenes in Clan of the Cave Bear. So it will be fine. And that's my... Big advice. Whenever anyone asks this, there's in fact, there's a big debate about this on the Facebook group maybe two weeks ago. And, you know, lots of people disagree with me. Lots of people feel like, well, what if they read something traumatic or bad? 
I really firmly believe, based on my experience growing up, based on Larry's experience growing up, based on the the childhood of every big reader I know, that it's so thrilling to read something a little bit beyond you. And that thrill and the what it can bring you matters so much more than the times that you read something that's a little bit out of your grasp or a little bit like has too many swears or whatever. So that's my strong feeling. But what do you think? So I feel the same way. Like I, I think that anything that gets your kid reading and the advantage of reading and books is that your child is like limited in their understanding to their understanding, right? Like you're pulling on your own knowledge. And because the book just gives you the words, you get to fill in so many of those gaps. And so I really just don't see any harm in it. It's slightly different here because they're graphic novels, right? So there there are pictures. Yeah. But I also think that like, these are wonderful opportunities to start having discussions about that stuff. And so when she says like, do I need to monitor this? I feel like you don't need to monitor what they're reading in terms of like censoring it. But I think it's important to be engaged in what your kids are reading particularly when they're reading above grade level or or in more complex topics. And I don't know that that means like if your child is willing to talk about what they're reading and you're having conversations and checking in, then I don't necessarily know that you need to be reading every book they read. And obviously, you know, your child like I did peek into these. Um, Henry is eight or well, who's nine now is very into these like Olympian graphic novels and he really likes Greek mythology. So I was like, cool. We checked him out from the library. And then he had a whole bunch of questions because all of these like gods are sleeping with all these people. And so all of a sudden there was a lot of discussion like about that. And so I, I did then pick up the books to read them so that I had some context for where his questions were coming from and could answer them, you know, within context of like where he was. So I, I think when she talks about like being engaged, I think it's more about making sure that there's like open lines of communication because any like perceived harm, I mean, I don't see any harm in, in reading stuff that is like you say, some swear words or some sex scenes or some violence. Like if that's drawing them in and reading, like that's the stuff we like to see in movies and, we, and adults <laughs> like to read about. So of course kids like to read about it, you know, but I think it's important that you are on the page and understanding what they're getting so that you can, then discuss it with them. And with a graphic novel, it's pretty easy to like flip through, you know, that was one of the things I was interested in with this Olympians thing was like, well, how much of this is being portrayed in the, in the pictures right? and how much of this is like stuff he's picking up from, from the reading. Yeah. I, I think it's a really important delineation to draw the difference between staying engaged with what your kids are reading and feeling obligated to read along with them every single thing they do. The latter is not necessary. What what matters is knowing when to dip in and following the cues that your kids give you based on the questions that they have and the things they want to talk about. Most kids I know who are huge bookworms love talking about the things that they read, yes. often ad nauseum for parents. <laughs> So it should not be too hard to get your kid to talk about what it is that they find interesting or confusing in these books. In your case, letter writer, there's basically zero chance 
of your daughter reading something way out of her league or way beyond her because you're pulling them all out of the library. You're getting all these books out of the use section of the library, you know, and those librarians know what they're doing. And so anything they're going to give you is basically fine. Sometimes there might be a YA graphic novel with some sort of teenagery themes or that's a little spooky or scary, but that's also fine. It's going to, it's totally fine. They're not going to be giving your kid like hardcore pornography from the library. You're going to be all right. Specifically, the Princess Raven, the Pirate Princess series yeah. <laughs> is totally appropriate for all ages. It might help you in sort of navigating this and in any parent who's sort of navigating this, especially right at this age, to familiarize yourself a little bit with some of the big kids comics publishers. This one is published by a smaller house, you know, that does a mix of stuff. But there are a bunch of publishers that that really only do middle grade and YA graphic novels and comics. So, uh, you know, something like First Second or Paper Cuts or the Graphics Imprint, which is done by Scholastic, the big children's book publisher. Anything with those logos on the spine is going to be totally fine. Like, you have nothing to worry about. They'll also probably be at least pretty good. You know, all of these imprints have pretty good quality control, so they won't just be appropriate. They'll also probably be good, which, you know, doesn't actually often matter that much to kids, but might matter to you if you have some, if you're going to end up talking about it with your kids, you might hope that it's not totally boring. And, you know, I, I could give a million different recommendations for graphic novels. My hunch is that your kids probably read anything that I would recommend. But you, again, also have a great tool here, which is that the library is open now. And so you should exploit your fame, letter writer. They they already know you and love you because your kid has taken out every book they have. So bring your daughter into the library with you, and she should tell those librarians what she has loved the most, and she should ask what they should read next, and they will love her. She will be a celebrity. Those librarians have spent a year doing nothing. They are dying to recommend some books to your daughter. So take her in there and take advantage of that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that bringing her in to find the books like my kids love just like combing the shelves and looking for something and and getting a little you know taste of some different things in the library right and then deciding what to come home I also really think that you can always utilize like Goodreads or Amazon reviews if you're not really sure even just like the general themes of the book and you are just kind of trying to figure out like well what you know like in this case what did I just hand her I don't necessarily want to read the whole book like a lot of those will give you just, just a flavor of it to know what you have handed her and in this case I look this up and there are lots of women on there saying like I really enjoyed this book and I, I am giving this to my niece or I'm giving this to my daughter or, you know, whoever to read. So I, I think sometimes if you're nervous, little things like that can just help you feel like, oh, okay, this is, this isn't the trash that maybe the title, <laughs> I think that you're worried from the title. Like it, it turns out to be something that a lot of older women really enjoy as well and is very empowering of women in the book and has a variety of different characters. And, and those are all things you want to be encouraging. So I feel like bottom line, you should definitely just be congratulating yourself that you have this awesome bookworm. And like Dan said, exploit that library fame and, uh, you know, get your daughter in there to, to talk with the librarians and, and get some more books and see what else she can can discover. I agree that Goodreads is a great source of information as long as you steal yourself for the one comment that's going to be like these these characters aren't married and yet they're talking to men. There's always one of those. <laughs> then there's 
always weird ones at Amazon. No, no, you got to read for the like general, uh, <laughs> the general people like you. That's what I always think. Does this person sound like me? Yeah. <laughs> and what my opinions are. And those ones should make you laugh. And if anything, actually should make you feel better about recommending the book, right? You're trying to raise someone who's, who's open-minded. And I mean, that's the beauty of books, exposing exposing kids to other viewpoints and other worlds and, and just different ways of thinking. One last thing I want to talk about with this question. I want to talk about that sign-off, graphic novel exhausted. I think mostly the letter writer was referring to just like the endless trapes to the library and back and and how quickly kids burn through graphic novels. You know, a, a good reader will read one of those in like 10 minutes and you're like, Jesus, I just went to the library. But I do think that there are a lot of parents out there, you know, I've seen this in the comments on Facebook, I hear it all the time from readers, I even hear it occasionally from librarians, although most librarians don't feel this way anymore, this idea that graphic novels are like cheating, and I wish that the kids were reading real, you know, quote unquote, real books. I think most librarians at this point, along with most teachers, are of the opinion, which I agree with, that books are books, and that if your kids are reading books, like, thank God that is what they are doing. Thank God they are engaged by storytelling, whether they're comics or not comics. That's great. But if, as a parent, you are feeling a little bit burned out on graphic novels and you are dreaming of a day when your child might, you know, read chapter books, books that are a little easier to read with them or to read aloud to them than comic books are, that's also another great thing that you can go to librarians for. Librarians have a lot of practice in gently easing children from comic books to chapter books when the time has come, whether because of school assignments or parents' wishes or kids' interest, to make that move. And they're going to have a million great recommendations for books that are lively and engaging and maybe even incorporate drawings, you know, interstitial comics in some way that are a mix and amalgam of comics and text that will help broaden your kid's reading palette a little bit. Because, you know, it, it is nice to feel like your child is not only reading above their age level, but reading a little outside their comfort level and bringing new kinds of reading experiences into their life. And librarians can really help with that too. I think that's such a great point because I definitely had a conversation um, with my friend who is a middle school English teacher about kind of that because I was so worried because Henry is much like this child, just very into graphic novels. Like that's what he wants to check out all the time. And and where's that balance between, you know, pushing them to read something else, but also not discouraging, you know, reading. Right. And Dan, that's the advice that everyone has given me is just, I mean, we have utilized the librarians to find some what they what I would call like transitional books that have some of those pictures and the elements of graphic novels, but have more words on each page. But also, you know, everyone just repeated, don't take away the graphic novels. Like yeah. if they still want to check out 10 graphic novels, check out the 10 graphic novels. And if they're reading all of those every week or whatever, consider yourself yourself lucky. So I think that's that's a really great point. Well, Letter Writer, we hope that helps. And if you listeners have suggestions of great graphic novels, we'd love for you to come to the Slate Parenting Facebook group and give us your advice for wonderful graphic novels that kids could enjoy. Or if you have a question, you can email us at slate.com or, of course, post that to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. We're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back to the show. All right, on to our next question. Let's hear it, Shasha. Dear Mom and Dad, this Friday is my two-year-old's last day of preschool before a three-week summer break. I'd like to use this time off to potty train. The only potential issue I see is that the third week of her break is going to be a family vacation. We'll be driving about five hours to the beach where we'll be staying in an Airbnb for six days. She will have a full two weeks at home with me before we leave for vacation. On the plus side, we'll have four adults at the beach for two kids, so lots of supervision that might make keeping on top of potty training easier. On the downside, we'll be away from home and off our regular routine, which could throw everything off. Is two weeks at home long enough to get the basics down? Is potty training before vacation a terrible idea? Apart from the vacation issue, I think she's ready. What do you think? Well, it's been a long time since I potty trained a human being. We did it around this age. I think our kids were about three when we started, but uh, you know, somewhere in your twos is not a, an unreasonable time to start potty training. But I definitely would like to hear from you, Elizabeth, the person who has much more recently been potty training humans. Yeah. I think the potty training is like one of the worst bits of parenting. <laughs> so I, Correct. first of all, I really hate the idea that like three-day potty training method or any of this kind of nonsense because potty training is like a a phase of parenting. It is not going to be two weeks. It's not going to be three weeks. It is, it is going to be a phase in which you are potty training and there are lots of accidents and there are, there are lots of starts and stops and times when it's super inconvenient because In essence, potty training is a meeting of your child being interested in using the toilet and you being okay with the fact that you now are beholden to their bladder. And (laughs) at any moment, they can demand that you take them to the bathroom. And I actually think that's the worst bit of it. Your kid has to be ready, of course, but also you as the parent have to be ready because the freedom of like, I'll change your diaper when it's convenient is over and your child will never need to use the bathroom when it's convenient. So that being said, I potty train. It's always right at the beginning of a conference call. Always the conference call or they will use it when they want your attention because they know that Mm -hmm. that is a moment they will use it to get out of out of bed. They will use it any opportunity they can. They will use this. I need to go to the bathroom. They will say it a thousand times to you while you're driving. So all of that being said. I don't really think it matters whether you're going on vacation or not. I potty trained two of mine while kind of extensively traveling. And 
there's never a good time to do this. Right. You can do the like, right. you know, pants off running around. Woohoo. They now know what going to the bathroom looks like. Your child is not potty trained until they learn to use the bathroom when you are not at home, right? Like how often are you, when you're at home and there's an accident, it's not a big deal. And so they don't even really need to be potty trained at home. They need to be potty trained when you're on the go. So I think kind of a concise answer is if you think she's ready and you are ready, then just do it. And honestly, it is okay if it doesn't take. If it doesn't take and this whole thing is a disaster and you bring a a pack of pull-ups or whatever with you or diapers and halfway through the vacation, you decide, forget it. I'm putting her back in diapers. That's totally fine. It's completely fine. And then you try again. But if you wait for the perfect, like, six weeks at home or whatever that is, it's just never going to happen. Like you say routine. It's like, yeah, it's nice when they can go on a routine, but like when they're at school or like life is not very routine with kids. So I say go for it. And I think the thing is like, just be mentally prepared for all the accidents, all the stops and know that like, if you're potty trained at home and you get in the car and you have like these planned stops and you're going to make her sit down and try to go to the bathroom. And three minutes later, then she asks to go and you stop and then she doesn't go. That is <laughs> that is exactly that's potty, that's potty training. training. That's the training part. Yeah, um, They think it's very confusing when they need to go. I think the best thing about this is that you have two more adults, the four adults, because to me, it was just incredibly frustrating (laughs) like to be the one that was always at the beck and call of I have to go potty but I think if you think she's ready I say do it I will tell you that Henry decided to potty train he had just turned two and literally I brought baby Oliver home and he was like I don't use diapers anymore and I was like what right I'm not a baby (laughs) yeah like forget this like this I'm potty training (laughs) I was like huh And he was great. He trained like super fast. No problem. I was like, this is great. I have a newborn. I've potty trained my two-year-old. And I went on our like first solo outing. I had the baby. I had, you know, my potty trained toddler and I was going to meet a friend. I thought, okay, I can manage lunch at Chick-fil-A and then playing at the play place. And so we went there and things were going great. I had the baby in the carrier and took Henry to the bathroom. And then I put him in the play place And I'm sitting there talking with my friend and I notice that he is like crouched over high up in the tube in the like toddler pooping in the corner position. And I like can't get up to the tube because I've got this baby (laughs) and my other my friend who's with me is like you know, days from giving birth to her second. So she can't get into the tube. And I'm like slapping the tube, like, get down here, get down here. And I mean, it was, it was a disaster. He, he pooped. It was awful. It was so awful. And then as I was like trying to clean up his mess, the baby pooped. It was awful. You know what though? They're all potty trained now and it's totally fine. And it's funny. So just know that this type of experience is coming for you. And as long as you're okay with that, I think you're ready for potty training. (laughs) Great reminder never to go into the play place at Chick-fil-A. I wouldn't even call potty training a phase because a phase suggests some like finite period. You know, I sort of think of potty training as when you're shooting a movie and sometimes you put a a colored filter over the lens. (laughs) I sort of think of potty training as a filter you put over your life. Yeah. And for some period into the future, 
that filter is going to affect how everything in your life looks and feels. The filter obviously is colored brown and yellow. But the point is that you have to be living your ordinary life. It's just that also this other thing is happening all the time. And as Elizabeth said, you're constantly taking kids to the bathroom and worrying about your kids at the bathroom and cleaning up when they didn't get to the bathroom and encouraging them and making posters and doing all the 1 million different things you do. And so this letter writer, you know, asking a question like, is two weeks at home long enough to get the basics down? The answer to that is, who the fuck knows? (laughs) Two weeks at home could be long enough for your child to get, understand what a potty is and what you want her to do. But getting the basics down is a thing that happens and then unhappens multiple times over the case of potty training. And so... Even if your kid feels as though she has gotten the basics down, many times over the coming months, it will turn out she didn't have the basics down at all, as you will discover when she takes a shit in the Chick-fil-A play place. Exactly. Potty training is like a, a literal shit show no matter when you start. It fucks up your routine no matter what you do. So it does not matter that you're going on vacation. And yeah, you should just give it a shot. It's it's going to probably suck. But if you are ready and she is ready, and believe me, if it turns out she's not ready, she will give you all the signs. But you might as well give it a try and use all those extra adults you have and prepare yourself for the next X number of weeks where this filter is over your life. And it's a filter that, in retrospect, ends up being very funny often. Although in my case, I literally have erased all memories of specific memories of potty training from my brain because it it was so terrible but you might as well go for it i think at some point during potty training i thought why am i doing this like the diapers were so easy (laughs) oh diapers are great they're so great why do i care if this child uses the bathroom Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah i just think pack a lot of underwear why why don't i use diapers yeah they make them for adults (laughs) Exactly. Like you will just really appreciate how often going to the bathroom is annoying. (laughs) And that like your kids will appreciate that too. And that's why sometimes they won't go and then they will go. But I think pack lots of underwear. You know, I will say in that week, those couple days you have at home or, or whatever, the best thing to do is like really hydrate them because it's all about opportunity. And if you have a child that is either not very hydrated or can hold it for a long time, you're not going to have a lot of opportunities. So I just like did a free for all. We're not a huge juice family. It was potty training was like free for all on juice and people were peeing all the time. And we had a lot of opportunity for success a lot of failure but a lot of opportunity for success so every failure was an opportunity for success (laughs) that's true Um, it's basically my parenting philosophy overall yeah my parenting philosophy is definitely have very low expectations so that you can only exceed them Mm -hmm. and i feel that that may be the best advice for this assume it's going to be a nightmare and i suggested that to alia as a marriage (laughs) philosophy as well but she did not she rejected it it. i mean i think in this case right like if you're just like higher standards (laughs) if this is gonna be awful and then she potty trains in like three days and gets it you're gonna be like yes and if it is terrible, you're just like, you know what? Yes, write us a letter if that happens and be like, screw you guys. You're just bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm great at it. Whatever happens here, 
We want to know. We expect to hear from you at the end of your summer break. We want to know how it went, if you didn't start, if you started and it was awful, or if, like Dan said, you are just so much better at this than we are. We want to know. So thank you so much for writing in. and, And seriously, I will be personally hurt if we do not hear how this went. So there you go. Anyone else out there, if you're looking for some excellent parenting advice or us just telling you that it's going to be terrible no matter what, that's what we're here for. So email us at mm. momanddadatslate.com. All right. Moving on, we have recommendations. Dan, what do you have for us? Well, I did lose the reading competition badly, <laughs> but I did read a lot of great books at the beach. And there's one in particular I want to pull out. This is not a book for kids. It's a book for adults. I was also reading grown-up books like my daughter. But each summer at the beach for the last couple of years, I've packed one book by an author named Patrick DeWitt. He's a Canadian author who lives in Portland now, I think. And he's written four novels. And for the last three years, I've read a Patrick DeWitt novel. And every summer at the beach, the Patrick DeWitt novel has been my favorite. They're just unbelievably entertaining. This summer I read one called French Exit, which was adapted this winter into a movie with Lucas Hedges and Michelle Pfeiffer. It's a very fun movie. The book is even better. It's about a extremely rich woman who has lost all her money and she and her ne'er-do-well 30-year-old son decamp from New York to Paris to spend the last of the dough that they got from selling all their possessions. But every Patrick DeWitt novel is different. Last year, I read a book of his called Under Major Domo Minor, which is like a medieval fairy tale about an extremely stupid count at a big castle and all his incompetent employees. And then the year before that, I read a book called The Sisters Brothers, which was also made a new movie with John C. Riley, a, re- a terrific movie about two homicidal brothers in Old West California who are thinking about giving up killing people, but they just love it so much. They're great. They're just incredibly entertaining and funny and surprisingly thoughtful and deep. Every time I read one, I'm so happy and I'm so sorry that next year I'll read the final currently existing Patrick DeWitt novel on my vacation and love it. You're going to be out of Patrick DeWitt novels? Hopefully by then he'll write a new one. Okay. Hopefully he listens and now is, you know, going to make sure. So that- <laughs> I guess. Although if he has kids and listens to this podcast, there's no way he's ever going to have time to write yeah. a novel. So. Okay, well, that is a great recommendation. It sounds like there's something for everyone. Like, even if the topic of the one you read this summer doesn't, they're so varied. Yeah, I can't figure out what these books have in common other than that they're all very funny. They resemble each other not even a little bit. That's so interesting. Okay, I'm going to check one out and I'll I'll get back to you. I'm going to go look and see which one. Thanks. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. I am recommending like some, these glow-in-the-dark Star. There's actually all kinds of glow-in-the-dark stuff. So the kids are still kind of settling into their room, and and Teddy loves space, and he wanted glow-in-the-dark stars. And I just remember, like, from my childhood, they were, like, hard plastic, and they stuck up with putty, and you could never really get them down. I think one of the homes we moved into, like, still had them stuck to the ceiling. And so I was really hesitant. And they only glow for 15 minutes. They only glow for 15 minutes. Like, I was like, I'm not doing this. And I found this glow-in-the-dark wall stickers from the companies called Glow play and they are made from the same stuff that that airline that lines like shows you the way to the exit is made of and so they (laughs) they literally 
glow for hours. Like when I go in to check hours after the sun has set, these things are still glowing. They also stick and re-stick. Apparently we've just gotten better at adhesives, but I was able to like put them up on the wall and then we pulled a bunch down and put them up somewhere else. And we've been doing that for over a week now and they're still sticking and the kids are moving them around. They're also water, like on the back, it said use in your bathtub. And I was like, well, that's weird. But we put some in the bathtub to see you can like put them in and they are water resistant. They're just they're just really cool. And I love that they come not only like in are they gl- and you can take a nighttime bath and they glow. Yeah, they glow. They glow. Yeah, you could turn the lights off and they glow and they glow really bright. They even they glow so bright that like when they're charged, they're almost glowing during the day like you can see them even with the sun and the lights on kind of glowing Uh, they're they're magic is what i think they are but they're not just stars like i got some for teddy and then henry really likes water sea creatures and they had a sea creature set so we got those and he did like a little aquarium kind of on his wall so during the day it looks like you know a little aquarium and then at night just they glow up they're very cool and i'm i'm very impressed with them so they're called glow play wall stickers and they're really lovely you should check them out great recommendation glad that our that america's glow in the dark sticker technology has improved since 1978 i have bad news i don't think they're made in the u.s (laughs) I think they're made in Japan. I'm glad someone has finally surpassed the U.S. (laughs) in Clone the Dark Sticker technology. Well, you know, that's it for our show. So one last time, if you have a question, please email us at slate.com Or, of course, you can post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Morgan Flannery. For Dan Coyce, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.